Hi, everybody. It's uh, Rob and Pat back from JMRE Capital's podcast. Today we have Mr. Peter Pasnak, famous A&E, Flip This House, Investor's Blueprint, and um, my favorite bar, Local Luna, because of Real Estate Connections. Yeah, first Thursday of every month. We first can't forget Thursday that. First every month, exactly. That you, right. that Jamie is one of our sponsors for that. So thank you for being a sponsor. Yeah, you're welcome. And we're excited to be sponsors. Um, tell us, Peter... Um, I'm excited. I, you're the first celebrity I've ever interviewed. Oh, so. I'm just, I, you know, I always say I'm just a simple little guy there, Rob. Well, I'll be this May. You were, um, I was very excited to do this when, when Shauna says that we're doing this, and I saw the email, I was like, wow, this is great. I'm delighted. So, you know, I always love the opportunity to be able to go and share with people my experiences, and sometimes there's a little knowledge in my head. I'm not sure how much, Rob, but um, whatever is in there, I love sharing my, with other people. Well, Peter... My curiosity tell first question pops my head. How did you all get started? How did this start? How did you start flipping houses? So here's the short version. If you know anything about me, there's short, it's never short, it's shorter, right? Mm. <laughs> Brian says it's taking me 18 minutes to say hello because I'm all <laughs> about relationships with people. So you know a little bit about my background. I'm a CPA, I worked at Price Waterhouse. Um, I always say I had way too much personality. Can you imagine me 35 years ago in a little cubby hole at Price Waterhouse? It was not a great fit. So I did it for a couple years because I needed that experience to get my license because not only had to pass exam, you had to have some work experience. So from there I went into banking. I started as a bank auditor and within my 20 years I progressed and actually was then a bank president for a subsidiary. So um, I'm really passionate about entrepreneurship and helping people. So we're now in 2003, I'm 43 years old, and my dad, growing up, had a Dunkin' Donuts, so I had a very entrepreneurial side. So I had a chance to go and be the CEO of one of my clients. They were a 300-employee commercial printing company. There were two elderly gentlemen, and they said, come for six months. If you like it, buy it. If not, walk away. So at the end of six months, I bought. Uh, it was off Fulton Industrial. And within a year, I bought six other companies. So it was all about vertical integration. They all needed printing. And so there were different like real estate magazines. They were all local, except I had a, a magazine in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I used to go up once a month to there. So my business partner, Brian Trow, was my personal trainer. So he and his first wife had just moved down. There was a wife too. That's a whole other story. But we're, we're, we don't have to go on that today. So Brian said the thing, and the first thing I hear Brian talk about was he had moved from Connecticut. Well, I was born and raised in Connecticut. Brian played collegiate tennis. I didn't play collegiate, but I played high school. So we, we very quickly became best friends. And so Brian's, you know, 14 years younger than I am. He's the little brother I never had. We were right here in my basement, and I said to him one day, Brian, what do you want to do when you grow up? And he said, I want to get into real estate investing. Now, keep in mind, I own and I'm running seven companies. I mean, I was working seven days a week. I was working 100 hours uh, a week. And I mean, there was not a lot of free time. So I said, all right, Brian, here's the thing. I will work maybe two or three hours a week. I mean, you know, 24 hours a day. I thought if I only could not sleep, I'd be better off. And so we started. But the thing about me is I don't know how to do anything just a little. And so I started watching television shows. And, you know, it was the first time that there was a flip show, which was A&E's Flip This House. And the short version is within a year of us starting our company, 
the network came to us and asked us to be on the show. Wow. The first season we were shown as investors, which we were. And then at the end of the year, they called and said, we want you and Brian to be the lead characters. So when people think we have been doing this, we had done four flips. Think about it. Four flips. Wow. And all of a sudden, we're on national television learning as we go along. Now, a lot of people say to me, gosh, you only had done it a year. But here's like a, a teachable moment I love talking about. It wasn't the year we had been flipping. What the network liked, because a lot of people look down at flippers, right? right? right. And a lot of people got confused when they heard flipping. They, what they really were thinking about was mortgage fraud, which was a problem mm -hmm. here, and, as it was in the country. So it wasn't that flipping was illegal. Mortgage fraud is still illegal. But what the network loved is that I'm a CPA. I worked at Price Waterhouse, that I was a bank president. So for them, it gave them credibility. So I would say it's the 30 years prior to us starting the really flipping homes is really what the network liked. But what do people look at? They look at, you've only been doing this a year. So it isn't interesting what people see versus really what the reality is. So that's a really long answer. Really, you're an entrepreneur, that's the reality. Exactly. And you know, the other thing too is, you know, being a CPA, there are times if I'm in a group of other CPAs, I'm gonna talk one way, but you have to know your audience. So during the time we started, you started having short sales. And you know, there, there are four locations to flip this house. So there were, we were the Atlanta leads, you had, um, Van Maryland, Connecticut, you had Armando Montalago in Texas, and you had Rudy Martinez in LA. And so, like when there was stuff that was like technical, like short sales and things like that, they wanted me to explain it. You know, I mean, quickly you're explaining, okay, we're buying this house, it's a short sale, which um, uh, one of the episodes, because our episodes are still on, on demand, people can see it. So there is one episode called Peter's Short Sale. I wonder what that's about. That I actually got from a short sale. And so um, and so I had explained because you know now most people know what a short sale is, which is of course um, somebody owes more than the properties were, so it's short. And so um, I had explained why that was an opportunity for your investor. I actually got a question for you. Okay. Um, as a segue to what you mentioned. When you were on TV and you were doing this, do you feel any kind of pressure to actually explain your business or what you were doing when they actually do that, when they told you to do that, that show. You feel pressure to do that? Or? No, So, but here's what I did feel pressure on. So if you know anything about me, I'm all about setting expectations with people. So when they came and said, okay, Peter, we want you and Brian to be lead characters. Some of the other locations, what was happening was the person was a lead character. Because you want conflict, was yelling at other people. And I said, look, let me be very clear. Brian is my business partner. He's not a flunky here. So if you think I'm gonna be there yelling at Brian, that's not who I am. And TV's gonna come and go, not going to happen. Because what I knew is the type of flips and where we made most of our money was we would buy two bedroom, one bath. We had a four to 800 square feet. We made them three bedroom, two baths with master suite. I wanna say that one more time. We took, we bought two bedroom, one baths. We added four to 800 square feet, made them three bedroom, two baths. Because, as you know, flipping is about getting your spread. And so you want to make sure that the value you create is greater than the expense. So when you ask most people, what's the minimum number of bedrooms they want? It's three. 
What's the minimum number of bathroom? It's two. So when you're converting a two-bedroom, one-bath, there's not going to be a lot of competition because a two-bedroom, one-bath is usually a single person or maybe a single parent or a couple of no kids, and you make it three-bedroom, two-baths, it's law and supply demands. A lot more people want that property. So when we were doing that and you're knocking down walls, there's going to be issues, right? If right. you're just doing cosmetic, there's not, you know, you're, you're painting, you're updating your kitchen, and you, there's not. But every time we knock down walls, and most of the time we're going down to studs, there was plenty of drama that we didn't have to create it. And a couple times the network came to me, and they were, I'm like, okay, let's not have a little amnesia here. When I said I'm not yelling at Brian, I'm not yelling at Brian. So it's really about setting expectations. And for me, how you see me today is how I'm on TV. I'm not... I didn't become something that I'm not. What you see is what you get with me. That's awesome. So, um, did you, you said you grew up in Connecticut. Yep. How did you make it down here to Atlanta? So, I'm the youngest of three children, right? And so, my dad owned a Dunkin' Donuts and a restaurant. And so, I knew when I went to college, my parents wanted just to be up there a couple more years and wanted to retire in Florida. I had a brother who was 18 months older, and he was here in Athens at the University of Georgia. And so my dad said to me, look, you're the youngest of three. I'm going to have a year where all three kids are in college. you got to pick a state university. Or you better get a scholarship because that's all I can afford. So I started going to the University of Connecticut. And so if you're a big basketball fan, you know Stores is a great place. And not knowing anybody the college seemed so big to me. I really got like nervous and scared. I was like, oh, there's a lot of people. Because back then I was not this outgoing, okay? I was a little bit more sedate. Hard to believe that, but that's the truth. <laughs> so I came down as a senior um, during a break and visited my brother. And because I knew my brother knew people, it didn't seem as big. Now the truth matters. is Georgia has more enrollees than the University of Connecticut, but I just felt very comfortable and um, the accounting school at the University of Georgia was in the top 10 so they had a really great accounting school so I did tell my parents and I applied I think I had it was like 10 or 20 bucks at the time and what happened is uh, they sent back because I had good grades right I was of 700 people I was number seven in my high school class wow. I mean I had, I had a 4.0 in high school um, so within like a week for me sending I got an acceptance. And here's the problem. They put this little red thing on the envelope, official acceptance. So I get home and my parents say to me, um, Peter, you have anything you want to share with me? <laughs> and so I was, what were they going to say? My brother was already there, I mean. And so things happened. And once I started school, my dad actually was able to sell the Duck and Dunson restaurant. And they moved to Florida when I was still in college. Wow. So where's that? You end up where you're supposed to end up? That's it. That's it. And you've thrived. Seven companies. You still own seven companies? No. So uh, after about a year, I sold them. Because what I realized by being on national television, so like all of a sudden, my picture, our company bio are all on the A&E websites. And you have a million after two million people watching an episode. And so the scope of what we're doing, I now needed to do filming and things like that. I did not have time. And, you know, as you get a little bit older, you realize there's only so many hours you can work, so many things you want to do. And I'm like, okay, I want to do this full time because I was having fun. To be in business with your best friend and now 15 years later, Brian are still best friends, which I'm like... That's amazing. 
Because, listen, when I was banking, I had a lot of husband and wives or, you know, people related or friends. A lot of times they killed marriages, killed friendships and things like that. And so, um, but here's the thing about Brian and I. If you know anything about me, if I'm thinking something, it's coming out of my mouth. Shocker, right? I mean, I, 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 I'm like, life yeah, is... Yeah, play poker, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I've learned in life, if you just put out there what you want, I'm like, listen, I don't want to read your mind, and I don't expect you to read mine. Just think how much easier uh, it would be if people just say what they're thinking, and you can move on, and how much time you'd save. So uh, I'm proud of that, and it's been a great 15 years, and look forward to the next 15 years. That's great. That's great. Um, how did you get involved with the investment blueprint program? So... For many, many years, people asked Brian and I why we weren't teaching people how to invest in real estate because we were the only people from TV Mm -hmm. that were not doing that. But, and I would say when I'm going to give you my answer, this is just my opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. Of course. I did not like the business model that almost everybody else was using. And this is what the business model was. You go to this like free, like hour, two hours. And then you go to a weekend and you spend three, four hundred bucks. And then they want you to sign up for programs that are thirty, forty, and fifty thousand dollars. And you're encouraging people to like increase their limits on their credit cards and doing things. So I don't believe in that. Because my personal opinion is if you've got thirty to fifty thousand dollars, you should spend that on investing a property. Okay? Not exactly. because if you're doing that for most people, that's their liquid cash and their credit's going down because they now have credit cards and they're maxing it out. So I've always been if I don't feel like I can help people, I'm not doing it. And so if I don't if I don't believe in it, it's not I'm not. I'm in a, a stage in my life I only I don't have to do what I don't want to do. So a couple years ago, our friend Danny who is, you know, marketing and social media, said, look, I understand what you're saying, but um, there's a different way to do things. You know, it's not like um, with, with social media, you can teach people how to do things. You can look at your own projects. You can do different things. So I'm like, okay, that might work. But I was still like, now let's talk about what it will cost. Because my philosophy was I want to teach the masses, not the privileged few. And so we came up with a program. Now, you're not going to get what you get for paying $50,000. came up with a program was less than $1,000 for the year. And for that, we answered people's questions. We formed a Facebook page. And so you would have access to us, but you're not going to get like a one-on-one mentoring because you can't do that when you're charging you know, less than that. And so that's how the Investor's Blueprint started. It's, it was a different model. Um, and I've always been about like something I need to create something. And that's what I did with Real Estate Connections, right? Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, well, nine years ago, October 2010, I was out networking and I saw a need for an event that revolved around the real estate world. And people told me I was crazy, which we all know I'm crazy, but not for the reason they said. <laughs> because people, and because I went to about 15 or 20 owners and managing broker of real estate companies. And I said, look guys, what would it take for you to attend my event? You know, kind of like a focus group. And I got some different opinions, but most people said to me, realtors are not going to come to this event, Peter. You're crazy. But here's what I believed. And I believe this in life. If you can articulate to people what's in it for them, not you, them, people won't come. 
and they did. And so I had sometimes craft my message a little bit differently because, as, you know, as a business person, as you know, times change and market changes and different things, you've got to make sure that it's resonating with what people want to do and say. And here it is, you know, almost October will be our nine-year anniversary, and we've got an event that has 300-plus people um, that I'm proud of. And then, of course, the new thing that we're doing is I wanted a nationwide community. So, you know, we created a Facebook group about 18 months ago, Real Estate Connection Group, that now has over 13,000 people. And wow. continues to grow. Very nice. And everybody there is involved in the real estate world. I, I could have 25,000 people, but every day I, I keep people out of the group if I don't like their postings. So I always tell people this is not for political ads. I love politics, but that's this is not the group. Sure. And, you know, if, if you're talking about something that's not real estate related, this is not the group. Because I want, it's not the 13,000 plus people, it's everybody there is touching a home or providing services. So it's it's the quality. And then you take a look at the discussions of what people say and do. You know, it's interesting because every week there's these guys from New York that come. and Those they, New Yorkers. You know, the guy's got a radio show and he's got like these five or six people that, um, that rotate. And I don't have to like... I'm not sure if you're in the group. We have to get you in there uh, because you might be interested because you have people that like are in New York, Florida. Um, about 65% of the group is local. And another 35 are people from all over the country. And people put like, I'm looking for this in California. I'm looking for this in Florida. I'm looking for this in New York. And so it's, it's very engaging. And that's what makes me excited and happy to be doing this. That's great. Um, I just had one final question for you, Peter. You're busy. Um, Tell us, I, it's actually a two-part question. Tell me your greatest success in fixing, flipping houses, and tell me your your worst failure, if you don't mind. So, I would say, let's start with what the worst failure was. So, I would say there was um, a house that we did on TV that we just broke even. And the thing that, I, the thing, the reason I say um, it was our worst was because I had made a list of um, what I call good business practices and, and I think every industry has that and the reason they're good is because they're, they're, you've learned from experience and Brian and I kind of um, didn't follow our own good business practices so even though and I was always very conservative and made sure I had a big enough safety net so we still made 1200 bucks, but if we had done what we knew to do, then we would have made, you know, forty or $50,000. So I would say that was probably from a financial thing. Now, if, if, if everybody could just make 1200 bucks. Right. Now, my answer is going to be a little bit different when, you, when I tell you what I think our greatest success is. So you think I might tell you about one of my flips. I'm not. I believe the greatest success is the jobs we created for people in the community from the subs and um, and here's the other thing that I did that I'm, I'm proud of. So a lot of people would ask, because we did a lot of our flips in transitional neighborhoods, because I always say in transitional neighborhoods you can get uh, a big spread between your renovated and your older homes. So in a lot of these areas, what you found is that there's a lot of thefts, 
right? So, I mean, if you put in, you know, stuff like your, um, your piping and uh, stuff for your plumbing, people would steal. So, here's what I did. People go, did you have thefts? I said, yes, but minimal, because I found some of the homeless people in that area. And what I did was I let them stay in my house while we were doing it. So they were protective. And when I finished the house, I had I put them in the next one. And so I helped people, I, I helped them and helped myself at the same win-win. time with a win-win because the homeless people knew don't touch these houses because they all knew each other, right? right, right. Because they knew... And, you know, once a week I'd go down and I brought breakfast for everybody. There was a, a crystals there. And I just, you know, had these. For some of the people, they didn't have, like, a warm meal. And so I just did that. So if you ask about my greatest success, I believe it's in helping and supporting people in the community. Do you have a, a follow-up question? I'm sorry to... Do you can ask whatever you want, Rob. Well, one more, okay. <laughs> I promise. What advice do you have for the new investor, new real estate investor? Okay. So the first thing I would, so the first thing I'd say they need to do is get their money in place. I teach people this all the time. Especially when inventory levels low, the last thing you want to do is find a property and then have to figure out where you're getting your money. It's just like somebody who's going to buy a home. Don't go looking for homes until you're pre-qualified. You're going to fall in love with the home and you don't have, you can't afford to buy that home. And now every other home doesn't compare because you want that half a million dollar home and you're going to get a home for $175,000. So, it, you know, put yourself in there. So I always tell people money first. And then um, the second thing after is figure out what your strategy is to begin with. Are you going to be flipping homes? Are you going to go for buying hold for rentals? Because the types of houses you're going to look at typically are different if you're looking for a rental portfolio versus flipping. So money first, then figure out what your investment strategy is, and that will help you stay focused and have the greatest chance for success. That's great, Peter. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, on that theme of money first, that's where we come in. Uh, Jam Real Estate Capital, we're located in New York and here in Atlanta. And we can help provide people with money across the nation. We have a nationwide footprint, help uh, some of your people across the, uh, across the country. Thank you so much for spending time with us, with me and Patrick. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you.